Welcome to Behind the Art, a podcast developed by Rockhampton Museum of Art. In each episode of Behind the Art, we unlock hidden treasures and activities of the creative sector with a focus on visual arts. Conversations with artists, collectors, curators, conservators, researchers, educators, and so many more. They will demystify the world that is visual arts. Join us as we take you Behind the Art. Today on Behind the Art, Bianca Asimovic, Rockhampton Museum of Art Director, chats with artist Karen Stevens about being an artist and sustaining an arts practice in remote Australia. Karen Stevens is an Australian-born artist based in far remote Queensland, working predominantly in the field of Australian landscape painting. Her immersion in the environment forms a sustained investigation of the outback landscape and she uses its inner regions as fertile ground to explore the personal as the universal. Australia's regional and remote communities are integral to the holistic story of our nation, and living and working in these communities are some of our leading and emerging artist practitioners. In our conversation with Karen, we delve into living and working in remote Australia and the artistic outcomes that come about from remote living. Join us for the next half hour as we delve into the practice of Karen Stevens and how she sustains a professional arts practice in remote Australia. Broadly speaking, 70% of Australians live in major cities, with their regional and remote counterparts accounting for about 30%. And within this, the remote communities account for just 2.5%. While living outside major cities may present barriers for some, for the arts, this is a lifestyle choice and offers many benefits. One in six professional artists live and sustain a practice in regional cities and towns, with a further one in ten living and working in rural Australia. And Karen, you living also in very remote Australia. So you live, Karen, in remote rural Queensland. And some Australians may have an awareness of what it means to live and work in regional Australia, but what is life like for you living and working in remote Australia? It's, um, it can be quite challenging at times. Um, and when I say challenging, um, our population is under a thousand people in a small town. Um, so we don't have um, art shops or framing, photography, all those things that someone might be able to just pop around the corner or down the road um, in a, a larger town or city. So um, a lot of the time, um, you know, you're having to um, travel great distances or the work travels great distances as well. So um, I think there's... Um, some interest in also um, the behind the scenes of an artist um, living in that area. Um, Some of the stories about my paintings travelling are quite unique themselves. Um, Living living remote, aside from the challenges, is very exciting. I, um, I grew up in Winton and then moved away for education and the excitement of the city um, kept me away from the country areas for quite a while. 
And then when I returned to the arts, I remember working in my studio um, in the city when I was doing my research degree and I found it incredibly difficult to make these paintings unless I was connected to the thing, my subject, which was landscape. And so because of that personal connection, I made the um, decision that I would return to Winton, which wasn't easy um, in some respects. Um, but once I got there, I realised that everything I needed was around me. I only had to step out the front door, um, you know, and there it was. So this is not an unusual thing throughout history. Many artists have done this. Um, for example, Arthur Boyd um, and his Shoalhaven River. Um, you've also got Monet and his haystacks. You've got Mirandi um, working in a small zone in Italy. Um, who else is there? Cezanne with Mount Victoire, Saint Victoire. Um, so it's not a it's not a unique thing, but it is unique in some respect because um, I think I can honestly say that I might be one of the only professional artists working in the Winton region at this point in time. However, um, Winton is an arts and cultural hotspot, so um, we do have um, a huge amount of artists visiting our region because um, the landscape is quite exciting, um, I have to say. So working remote for me is um, or was one of, I think, so far in my early career, um, one of the most important steps um, to be closer to the thing um, that I'm trying to understand and paint. Um, landscape, Australian landscape painting, um, is very complex and I feel um, that a lot of time is needed to really understand this space. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to move there was to have that time and the continual contact of this thing that I love. And so your practice does describe the notion of the felt experience of a landscape um, and that's a direct quote from, from your statement but what does this mean to you? What does this, what does this apply to your working? What are you trying to portray in the in the felt experience of a landscape? When you're out in the remote landscape in the bush, I spend a lot of time by myself. Um, so you're very much in the moment. Um, there's throughout history, there's been um, a lot of people responding to the the alien landscape or. Um, you know, so many types of ways that Europeans um, through the, the Western canon have, have um, attempted to understand the landscape. So um, my works don't actually have um, a horizon and a wide vista. Um, I'm looking to really understand the space and I think it was um, Fred Williams that was able to marry up this idea of um, converging, marrying this idea of um, the great vista with the intimate detail of landscape. So there's always that um, there's always that thing going on inside you um, of how the landscape should be and what is a landscape. And um, so there's there's quite a bit of experimenting that goes on. Um, when I head out bush, um, 
And when you're by yourself too, you're quite mindful of um, things going on around you. You've got sound. You've got the deafening silence as well. Um, you know, I could be sitting in a, a creek bank and there's not a sound and then all of a sudden something like a tree branch will drop and or, the you know, the insects will hush and you think, what's there? So there's all these things that go on inside your mind and um, in that moment. So... It takes a lot of time to understand those spaces um, and the the bush and outback spaces, they can really um, have a great effect on your senses, especially when you're alone in that space. I like your description of the great vistas and the extreme detail because I've had the fortunate opportunity to come out and visit you once in Winton and to me, that's a very apt description. You could be driving along the road or walking along and you there's so much to take in, the, the sort of flatness of the land with the massive jump-ups. But when you look into the detail, you can see these petite, deliberate flowers and foliage in the foreground, um, but often the background takes your breath away because of how dramatic um, it is. And so Winton itself uh, geographically lies on the north bank of the Western River. Um, but it's not a river like we might envisage when we say the word river, because it's part of the channel country. And even when I was out there, I was, I've heard so much about this channel country, but it's such an interesting phenomenon. Um, and can you talk to us about the notion of channel country and what the what the soil does out there and why why it's so interesting geographically. Sure. Um, so my knowledge, um, which is still quite young, and I'm still learning about that area, um, is that it's very very fertile. You're thinking of Winton; it's it's drought stricken, yes. Um, but when we when we receive rain. Um, we may not receive rain in Winton. Um, the rain in the Diamantina region will receive the rain. And John Olson made a, a hell of a lot of works about this. Um, there's a very nice piece in the Rockhampton uh, collection um, called The Void, and it's about the animals or the bird life um, entering into that region because it is fertile. So once that water um, captures in um, the basin out there, it spreads all through the arteries of the the small creeks and rivers and eventually it hits Winton and we can get quite an amount of flooding but this can actually change the landscape dramatically. Um, I have been doing a little bit of research on that area of the Diamantina. It's extremely remote, um, very mysterious, um, the night parrot um, is one of the mysteries of the region um, that's only been seen quite a, I think, um, maybe three times. Um, uh, and there's a lot of unexplained um, mystery in that region, which is, it's exciting. And um, the Diamantina River was named after the wife of the first governor of Queensland, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, there's a, a really nice research subject there in itself and a homage to women and the landscape in the remote area. The channel country is stunning. Um, 
the water the water is essential for us in Winton. Um, when I was younger, we would um, constantly be out in that region. Um, lately, I think that you know there's not so much water in that region, but um, you know when the when the floods come through, you know there's most certainly all the wildlife and everything's you know um, amazing. It just changes the whole color of the landscape. Um, you know everything changes and flows and um, there's a cycle that happens out there that people, I think, don't associate with. They see Winton as just drought um, and dry and um, pretty much like a wasteland, but um, it's not like that at all. Um, something very interesting um, in the history of Winton was um, in when the pioneering um, occurred and Winton was formed in the late 1800s, um, we were a multicultural um, society and there was a lot of Chinese market gardeners living in that region and they extended the health and well-being of a lot of the people in that time. Um, one of them was the late Willie Marr and his son, um, which um, there's a heritage building now um, which Willie used to live in. It was made a heritage building um, in the, I think it was the late, I think it was 1999 or something. I'd have to check those facts. But um, Willie lived at the back of town where all the water would come up there too. And um, these Chinese market gardeners, they were um, renowned for growing watermelons and fruit and, you know, things that they just had this knack of growing um, things in a, a landscape that was considered dry and barren and they saw it as fertile, you know, through their eyes, which... As a, a landscape painter, that's something I really identify with as well. Yeah, there's amazing life there if you look beyond the first impression. So I can completely understand how much inspiration you can get from the region because the more time you spend in it, the more time you see in it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so Winton's clearly informed your whole practice would your practice be what it is if you weren't living and working there? Mm, that's a really loaded question. Um, oh, place is really important. It's something that's quite unexplainable. There is so much that I have not uncovered in the region. It takes so long to understand place, as I mentioned earlier, Um I have actually undertaken some artist residencies in other areas, which I find challenging, and I'm always drawn back to to the Winton area and its surroundings. Um, it is just so diverse. Um, the landscape itself is changing. Um, the yeah, it's um what you what you first see, and then what you discover is something truly incredible when you. Drive into that region, you'll see the flat plains. You might see a, um, a whisper of these blue mauve hills in the background. And then all of a sudden you've got these um, incredible jump-ups that are patterned with spinifex, these huge canyons, ancient mountain cliff tops, you know, that look like something from Arizona. People are blown away when they actually 
have a local show them some of these incredible areas that they would not even have encountered. Um, and they're not actually very far from um, the Winton area itself. So to get a little bit off the beaten track, you can make the most incredible discoveries. And I feel, um, I actually feel quite lucky to be in a position where I can capture some of these aspects of the landscape that I don't believe and that have been captured before um, in landscape painting. And your practice, as we've sort of heard in, in what you're saying to us today, deliberately references Australian art. You're completely informed by the material that you're reading and, and artists who've come before you. Particularly, you have a focus around the 19th century. Um, what is it about the works that were created in this time or the artists that were working at this time that you have an ongoing interest in? Um, I think my interest starts at um, the Heidelberg painters, um, Tom Roberts in particular. I think he was a, a master painter of compositions, just incredible. Um, one of my favourite paintings um, in the corner of the McIntyre, um, I think I would have to say that's one of my ultimate favourite paintings from 1895. Um, it was originally called... Um, McIntyre Opal River. The title of the painting changed four times. Um, the modernist painters then um, I think I think that's where this great rupture was um, with the figure in landscape um, challenge, you know, being challenged by abstract expressionism. Um, and at that point there was this great juncture um, with artists and um, you had people like Russell Drysdale, John Mulvig, um, oh, Nolan, you know, every a lot of these painters were travelling to the remote landscapes, um, which is really exciting. And the things, the things that happened and um, the subjects and their experiences that they captured was just groundbreaking at that time. Um, John Olson has this great um, phrase that he calls people living on the coast as saucer dwellers, um, which is a really interesting phrase because um, it is challenging to travel remote, um, but I think those experiences and the paintings that were made in that particular time, um, you know, they're, they're groundbreaking for our history. Um, you've got um, people like um, Mulvig and... Boyd, um, Drysdale, capturing Indigenous people in that time. Um, you know, people and painters had never put those subjects in a painting and that's really important. Um, there's so many significant elements in those modernist paintings at that time. So I think the, the idea of discovery um, and the not knowing and the mystery that... Um, in, in that space, I think that's what drives my practice and my great respect for those particular artists at that time that um, they, yeah, they decided to just pack up and, and take off and, and see what was, what was further inland. And, like, if we think about the 19th century, it was a period of gold discovery, so, you know, the rise of 
Bathurst and this changed Australia economically, politically, demographically. Um, it saw the bushrangers. So they themselves were challenging the British settlement of Australia and then were sort of becoming runaway convicts themselves, even though they might have migrated um, under that banner. And then, as you say, there's the exploration of the great interior. The East Coast um, was being largely populated, um, but there was an unknown mass um, travelling west. And then we have the booms, so mining booms, Great Depression, the rise of the trade unions. So these artists were documenting all of these great shifts in Australia. And I guess so you're interested from an artistic perspective and the bravery of of the artist in going to the unknown, but also capturing that sort of social history? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it is important to make contemporary paintings of our time now, but it's also good to, I think, tip your hat to um, artists and um, and the history of the place too, you know, that's really important because you're building on what's already there and celebrating what's there as well. Um, Winton in particular, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's a pioneering region. Um, in the late 1800s it was found. Um, it wasn't always originally called Winton. It was called Pelican Waterhole, um, which makes reference also to the the fertile landscape I was talking about earlier, the bird life. Um, we in Winton, um, it's a it's a dynamic area. Um, Opleton um, is one particular area um, that arises in my mind. Um, the Opleton's about a hundred k outside Winton. Um, and I'm actually a fourth generation of um, George Craig who um, registered the first claim of opal in Queensland with Boulder Opal, um, which is not found anywhere else in the world except Winton and Eramanga. Um, so Winton is a great place of discovery. Um, Qantas was founded in Winton, our national airline. Um, the history that's there is quite incredible. Um the famous sculptor Daphne Mayo, um, she was commissioned um, to um, create a piece of the Jolly Swagman, um, poetry um, by Benjo Patterson, um, all of these these people that were coming into our region. You know, it was a, a colony of um, arts and poetry, literature. Um, it's just a melting pot of people, I guess, um, seeking seeking fortune, seeking freedom, um, and the stories there still exist. Um, there is a little bit of mystery beyond some of the stories, which I think um, occurs in most remote towns. Um, there's missing information in some spots, but I think those stories, you know, with that mystery is quite exciting as well. And so you're very much referring to and drawing back to artists who were even practising um, up to two centuries ago. So in your practice, in what in what you're doing today, what do you hope people in centuries to come will see in your works? That's a really good question. Um, I think 
I think I have to point out that um, it is really exciting being a woman working in that environment. Um, I don't know of any other women that have spent a lot of time, and I'm talking Western painters, um, in in the Queensland landscape working directly in that space. Um, so I feel a little bit like a pioneer at times. I think to have a collection of paintings about a place is really exciting because you don't actually, I don't think you realise it at the time, but when you actually look back and see all of the pieces um, that you've started to create, that's when it starts getting exciting. Um, <laughs> so I guess in the future, um, being able to to look backwards at, at what I've done from that region um, would be pretty exciting. Um, and to, yeah, to have a um, a collection of works that identify with that space. And your works not only visually represent with Winton, so even if you break down that picture plane and, and remove the horizon line and, and sort of pull together um, the picture planes, but to me some of your works which you're creating your own paper about draw back to your very first point about that practical notion of living and working remotely. So you often make your own paper and is that born out of access to art shops, like you said? Um, the surfaces that I make um, are unique. They're very irregular. They're made out of paper. Um, I don't often talk about them too much, but I will elaborate a little bit now um, that you've brought it up because they are very precious to me. Um, living remote, you've got a hell of a lot of time on your hands. Um, you're living in the middle of nowhere. So making do is really important. Um, so my surfaces are made from um, uh, objects like newspaper, um, <laughs> lottery receipts, parking tickets sometimes, you know, but mainly the bulk of newspaper and this um, repetitive um, pattern of tearing and sticking and building and um, forming something that's, that's solid from something that was not there before. So there's a, um, a type of mindfulness and sitting there like a meditation, um, making these pieces that can take quite a while to make. Um, they're well-crafted. Um, they um, also, to me, represent that space as a person living in that space in that time and the breaking down of what's there and forming it into something, which is very much like the actual Winton landscape itself. It's um, the the soil um, is quite unstable out there, um, and that's why it's perfect for um, opal. You know, finding opals, I guess. Um, so it's got this moving um, movement. There's a lot of movement, and you can see that in some of the formations. Um, you know, if you get closer to that space, I think it was Ian Fairweather at Bribey Island, he, um, he was renowned for making do um, in his humpy. He was living remote and I identify with Ian Fairweather. Um, he was using um, cardboard and bits of tiles from his house. Um, Sid Nolan was another one that experimented with, um, he was um, using roof tile slates that are in the, 
UQ museum collection, um, fantastic little pieces of work. So um, there's there's two artists I can identify, you know, working in a similar format, um, but this, this whole idea of um, working on that particular paper is very important too um, as a, a surface, um, which I enjoy working on. It's kind of built up to form a type of board. Um, so that surface is really important. Um, but also the idea of um, the thinking process, just sitting there and meditating, um, you know, repetitively working away and um, forming something that didn't exist before. Yeah, and certainly, you know, intentional, unintentional, so much can be read um, into what you're doing with the paper, with a commentary um, to the surfaces that you're that you're applying to them too. You're talking about materiality and then also visual representation, both both speaking to the notion of of remote working. So it's a gorgeous, yeah, underlay if you if you sort of unpack your materiality as well. Well, it's been so lovely to get to know you, Karen Stevens, and look at what it is to be an outback artist um, and sustaining a practice within remote Australia. But I'm sure we've got lots on the radar for you coming up um, in the future months and future years. So we'll have you back on the on the podcast and hope to hear more. Thank you. <laughs> Behind the Art is brought to you by Rockhampton Museum of Art. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing as there will be more releases every week. And if you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at the Rockhampton Museum of Art website or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for all the latest news and information about the Rockhampton arts community and exciting new developments coming soon. Thank you.